Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Warning! The following show includes discussion of escorts, drugs, septuagenarian Tinder, eclipses, star-powered therapy, and Donald Trump's former, former, former lawyer. For listeners with Victorian sensibilities, please. Keep a fan and smelling salts nearby. So I guess my biggest question is, am I ever going to have sex with somebody again? We're sitting in Jean Lebec's third floor apartment right off the 93rd Street stop in Bay Ridge. Jean is a former teacher, just like my mom. Roughly the same age, 74, but Jean's a New York 74. She's got that city girl edge. My name is Jean Ann Lebec, and I am a storyteller. The sex question? It's big for Jean because she was married for 41 years, and she expected to stay married forever. But right before the city went into lockdown, her marriage dissolved, and it's taken her about three years to get to this point. The truth is, I don't want to marry anybody. I'm not looking for that. I don't want to live with anybody. I'm not looking for that. But she is craving something. Some form of intimacy. Okay, so my daughter is my biggest support and fan. And when I've told her these stories about, you know, guys who just really want to sex text you, they don't really want to go further than that. All the weird men that I have had a date with, just, okay, mom, here's where we're at right now. I think what you need to do is call up an escort service. <laughs> That's right. It's early on a Saturday morning. I am barely awake, haven't even had my cup of coffee, and I'm pretty sure I'm hearing her right. Like, is this sweet 74-year-old woman really asking permission to hire somebody? 
you're there. And it's a very clear-cut relationship, you know. Hire him for four hours. I don't know if an astrologer can help with that. I don't know if any astrologer has ever been asked whether it's the right time to hire an escort. But we're about to find out. From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast, I'm Mangesh Shatikadur. Welcome to Skyline Drive. Chapter one, pound cake and chemo. So let's talk a second about Jean's question and questions like these. Will I ever have a partner that feels safe and secure? Why do Scorpios get such a bad rap? I'm kind of curious how many dogs I will have in my life. Is it insane to consider trying to be a stand-up comedian? As a man who is rapidly balding, will any of my hair ever grow back. That's what the show was supposed to be. Finding people with questions I'd never think to ask, pairing them with an astrologer, then generally having a good time. And I was going to take this anthropological view of it all, like stand back, watch without judgment, try to understand and enjoy. But just as our production was about to get off the ground, I traveled to Queens to get a reading from a random astrologer. And that astrologer he warned me that my dad's health would soon take a drastic turn. Within 20 minutes, my dad had emailed me that the cancer had spread through his liver. So now, a few days later, I'm in Conyers, Georgia. Conyers is mostly famous for being a speed trap on the road between Atlanta and Athens. And my parents settled here because my dad took a job down the road a few years back. But there's little else that would have drawn them here. Like, there are strip malls and waffle houses, banks, targets. And then these quiet winding roads that veer off it with names like Christian Circle. The doctor's office is tucked away on one of these winding roads, and we're waiting for the doctor in a little exam room. It's actually the way my dad wants it. All of us here. My mom, sister, me. And I'm a little surprised when the doctor walks in and he's Indian. So the, um, the pathology report still says preliminary. preliminary. I didn't know that they had more of us out in Conyers. I like him immediately. He seems to really know and care about my dad and he's concerned for us too. But when he starts, it's clear the news isn't good. But the CT scan showed that. The entire liver was studded by small tumors, mm-hmm. um, numerous tumors, mm-hmm. bones. It turns um, out it's an aggressive small cell cancer, recently. and it's going to need an aggressive response. Waiting is okay, but this, uh, your disease is behaving yes. way too oh, aggressive. No, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I've turned on my voice recorder, not for podcasting, but because I'm feeling lightheaded, uneasy about how much of this information I'll retain. And so far, it sounds like the chemo can only do so much. 
Why did I say it's not that great news? Because small cell lung cancer is notorious not to stay in control with chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. It goes away, but it comes right back. Mm -hmm. um, so um, not a good diagnosis at all but very treatable in its current situation. This whole thing is basically cancer whack-a-mole. We can bat the cancer back, cheer a little, and then start again until time runs out. The only time I smile is when my dad asks um, timidly. Oh, yes. I've heard that uh, medical marijuana can help with nausea and other things. I remember my friend Howard. When his dad got cancer, Howard got him a pound cake loaded with THC, and they spent the night laughing as his dad shared memories. Along with these ridiculous life goals, like how his one regret as a young man in China was that he'd never taken a shit on the doorstep of the French embassy. Anyway, I daydreamed a little about sourcing some edibles and playing my dad's favorite records as we chat through the night. Before I hear this, you really don't want elderly parents to be dealing with uh, metastatic cancer um, 300 miles away. It's no, just not, yeah. um, invariably, no matter how smooth the treatment goes, there's going to be hurdles. In the best case scenario, we'll get three to four more years with my dad. That's if the treatment takes. It's something to hope for, but it's more likely we'll get three to four months. The thing is, there's no time to waste. A nurse wheels my dad to a different wing to begin the chemo immediately. My mom's trying to be brave, but she's still dazed. I tug at her arm and hold it as we walk to the car. Everything is daunting, but it also feels manageable. So instead of worrying, I focus on our wish list. My dad still speaks some Portuguese from his childhood in Goa, and I know he wants to see Lisbon. I know he wants to see his grandkids more. He wants to see my sister get married. So I'm thinking, what can I do? What money do we need? How can I move my schedule around? Four months is not a lot of time, but I'm gonna make it feel like enough. Chapter two, secrets and lies. I lived in a family with a lot of secrets. Secrets are the thing that shaped Jean. And I have a feeling it's what's driven her to tell these beautiful, unvarnished stories about herself. Inside her place, past the entry and the kitchen doorway and the hallway lined with photos, there's a living room filled with vintage furniture. Stuff you'd covet from your favorite thrift store. Jean tells me to sit anywhere, make myself comfortable, and so I do. First on this bright, beautiful sofa, and then on an ottoman, just a little closer to her. I grew up right here in Brooklyn, not in Bay Ridge, but in Crown Heights, which is now a groovy, groovy place to live. But during those days, it was a hardworking Irish Catholic neighborhood, and we were the only Jewish families. <laughs> Kids playing marbles for nickel comics, hanging out on stoops, running around the neighborhood until the lampposts flicker and you just know it's time to raise home. It all sounds so idyllic, but her childhood was also cloaked in something darker because of her parents' political leanings. We lived this kind of life of secrets and lies. 
They couldn't tell anybody they were American communists. They couldn't tell anybody they knew Jules and Ethel Rosenberg. A refresher on Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Julius Rosenberg, a Taurus, and Ethel Rosenberg, a Libra, met and fell in love at the Young Communist League. When Taurus and Libra come together in a love affair, it can be the unification of two halves of a whole. Julius had a steady job, working for the Army Signal Corps as an engineer. But he was fired for being a socialist. Communism. What is it? Who are the apostles of a system that attempts to destroy the American way of life? In the 1940s and 50s, a communist panic swept across America, set off by a Scorpio named Senator Joseph McCarthy. McCarthy was known for his wild and sensational attacks. The Scorpio Zodiac sign concerns itself with beginnings and endings and is unafraid of either. They also travel in a world that is black and white and has little use for gray. At the time, Hollywood directors, prominent politicians, and government insiders were terrified for their lives and careers. In 1950, the couple was put on trial for passing atomic secrets to the Soviets. The Rosenbergs claimed innocence, but they still got the electric chair. The man who prosecuted them? A 23-year-old Pisces named Roy Cohn. One witness from the trial tried to take back his testimony. He said the reason he lied on the stand was because Cohn had threatened to lock up his wife and make life hell for his family. Many people associate Pisces with dreams and secrets. As a mutable sign, Pisces holds adaptive, fluid, and shape-shifting qualities. Anyway, back to Jean. It makes sense that her family hid the fact that they were close with the Rosenbergs, but that wasn't the only secret they were hiding. My sister's gay. Being gay during those times was really an, uh, a horrifying thing. So and I remember when she told me she was gay, I thought this was the greatest thing I ever heard. And she was like, you cannot tell us all. Nobody can know about this. Like being communist, being Jewish, being gay was just another thing she couldn't talk about. As she's telling me about her past, it makes more sense why Jean's welcomed me in, why she's agreed to talk. The thing is, Jean is a total romantic. One of my favorite stories that I told uh, was the time I had my first orgasm. I had been married. I had a baby and still didn't know my own body. It's the 1970s and Jean is in her 20s, a single mom with a kid. She had briefly been married to her high school sweetheart. And now she's working at this daycare center where she has this colleague named Mona. And they're a lot alike. They're both putting themselves through school in the evenings. They both have little girls that are the same age. We formed this friendship with each other. And then one night, we went to see this movie, and we're sitting in the car. And she looks at me and says, you know, I really feel like kissing you. I said, so kiss me. That kiss was like fireworks. I mean, Mona and I had, you know, been intimate, but I never had an orgasm. After this orgasm, she put on candles and everything. And she looked at me and she said, you know, sweetie, you could do this anytime you want. I mean, the whole idea of that kind of power. And so 
I began to be kind of a crazy masturbator. You know, I would like go to my job at the daycare center and it was lunchtime and I'd run back home. And so it was this whole description of just feeling giddy with this kind of newfound knowledge. Mona would move away not long after leaving the city, but it wasn't long before Jean would fall in love again. In fact, in some ways, her next love would hit her even harder. Here's a story she told at the Moth. It's assembly day and I am so nervous. My class is putting on a play for the entire school and I'm walking down the auditorium, the center aisle, carrying all these props and (laughs) takes my hand to help me navigate up the stage steps and my hand melts into his and his hand melts into mine and our fingers linger, never wanting to let go. And as Miss Hall crosses the stage to go to the piano and kids are getting their assembly seats and the rain is beating against the window, we fall madly in love. Jean and that teacher, they get married, raise their daughter together and then a son too. They become grandparents together and then one morning, 41 years later. Over coffee, said... I'm leaving. Her husband came clean about another woman he'd been seeing. But it wasn't long before Jean realized there were more. He was having copious amounts of affairs. It was almost like a house of cards fell down. Um, He's an expert con man. He swept me off my feet. It was almost like that love that, you know, you think you're never, ever going to find again. And then it all just kind of crashed. And I had to kind of weed through the betrayal. It didn't take much detective work for Gene to realize he'd been cheating since the start of their relationship with friends, colleagues, random women along the way. Gene was heartbroken. She still is. And it's tainted the way she looks at the past. Because I see a happy family, but I think, was he involved with this woman then? Or who was he involved with then? Gene is done grieving. She no longer wants to look backwards. What is this next journey about for myself? Because I feel like I'm at the brink of something. I just don't know what the brink is. I don't know what the something is. The truth is, Jean does not believe in astrology. She's had opportunities before to have her chart read, but she's never really seen the point. You know, my sister was into astrology, but, you know, we all thought it was bullshit, you know. And I always thought, like, please, have a glass of wine, relax. It's more meaningful than this. But that was then. Today at 74, Jean recognizes how precious her time is. Over and over, she tells me, I've got 10 years, 10 good years to drink in all the richness of life. I already told you, I ain't even down. And if there's any chance that astrology can unlock that secret, she's open to it. Oh, and there's still the matter of the escort. More on that after the break. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 3. Wheels That Work. You know, I don't think humans hang on to things that don't work. Like, the wheel is awesome. Like, we still use it. We don't say, oh, this wheel is out of date. Like, no, it's it's functional, right? So that's the same thing with astrology. Like, we don't study this stuff because it doesn't work. Over the summer, my friends and I started the search for a house astrologer for this show. We thought hard about using Dr. Kumar, but I was reluctant. Looking back, it's obvious why. Dr. Kumar's predictions had set off a chain of events that I just needed to compartmentalize away from the show. I needed a different experience, and Janelle Belgrave is definitely that. She is sunny and relentlessly encouraging, and the first time I chatted with her, I was smiling the whole time. Like, I loved the way she peppered the conversation with this secret knowledge of just how pervasive astrology is. If you don't think there aren't multi-billionaires using astrology to get ahead, let me tell you something, they're out there. <laughs> I mean, that's what my whole show is supposed to peek into. But it was actually something more than that. As my little team of skeptics here talked about the production, we decided that using Janelle almost seemed faded. Like when Mary and Mitra set out to find an astrologer for the show, 
they independently made lists. And somehow, not only did they both find Janelle, but they both had her as their top choice. So we chalked it up to destiny and rolled with it. Janelle's real New York, too. She's from Queens, and her parents are immigrants from Panama. Janelle doesn't sugarcoat things, so when I asked her about the birth date for the show and the show's timing, well, let's just say she was less optimistic than Dr. Kumar, who told me the show was going to be a mega hit. So you guys said that it was May 16th, 9.39 a.m. in Brooklyn, New York, correct? Is or was it when 9:30? we named the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Okay, mm-hmm. right, okay. So you guys are a Taurus sun, a Cancer rising, moon in Sagittarius. Um, you guys planned this right under an eclipse, which is really interesting. Um, not necessarily bad, but eclipse energy can be very volatile. Great. I guess I've got to temper my expectations. But even when Janelle's prepping you for a turbulent time ahead, I like how she's still encouraging. You're starting under a lot of retrogrades, and that's okay, but you just have to know that you're going to have to be patient. Use that to your benefit. Now, this is an aside, but last year, I started giving Monstera plants away to people who have been going through hard things. It is a super Instagrammable plant, but that's not why I like it. The Monstera is unusual. If left in the dark, it exhibits something called negative phototropism where all the new stems will actually grow into the darkness. It's a clever trick. In the jungle, darkness signals the presence of a larger tree. So the Monstera trusts that it can lean into the shadows and pool all of its energy into climbing that trunk because it believes sunlight will come. I like that reminder because I've needed that reminder. And that's what's so great about Janelle, the beauty she's found in reminding people that hope still exists. There's always hope in the darkest moments of our life. And when you look back, it's like, yeah, there was that some person that came to me that day and said something, and that was the thing I needed to get to the next day. And that next day was miraculous. There's a joy in pairing up a couple you have a good feeling about. Jean is so clearly yearning, and I want to witness what magic might come out when you put Jean and Janelle and all their stars and their stories in a room together. Chapter four, you don't want to waste a minute. It's months before I see Jean again. We are sitting in her apartment This time, it's my producer, Mitra, and me, and we've set up a consult with Janelle. But 20 minutes in, everything is going wrong. Sound waves are flashing across the laptop, but apparently it hasn't been taping. Uh, Worse, the backup recorder got jammed, and then our batteries died. It's like this taping is jinxed. Of course, Janelle doesn't miss a beat. She makes a crack about eclipses and the universe showing us just how real astrology is. And she reminds us that if we tried this a few days from now, everything would have gone smoothly. We all laugh, but we try again. Okay, so where should we start? In my head, I'm screaming, 
escorts. We've got to talk about escorts. If you listen to the tape from 15 minutes ago, it is all static. But what you would have heard, what I wish we still had was the discussion and where it began. Before Jean had even said the word escort, Janelle basically said, Jean, your chart is telling me that you're meant to go enjoy yourself. The universe wants you to enjoy yourself. So go on dates, go on hikes, go have sex, go do the things that feel fun. But I don't have that tape because I started this show in an eclipse and somehow it's easier to tell myself that, to make that the excuse than to stop Jean from taking the conversation in the direction she needs it to go. I have been feeling like I'm on the edge of something, but I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Okay, so I actually want to take you back to your last new moon that you had. So basically, this is just to show you that there's no such thing as like linear time in astrology. So when we are at a new moon phase in our life, it's when we're starting a brand new chapter. We've ended one chapter. OK, so back in 2011, April of 2011, you had a new moon happen in your progress chart at 19 degrees of Aries. So if you can think back to what was happening in your life in 2011. I can tell you, I I know exactly what was happening because that was so, I can't believe you just said that. I'm blown away, really. (laughs) Okay, hold that thought. Don't give give it away just yet. I want us to kind of flow through it. So back then you planted seeds, right? And then you're going to track the moon. As she continues, Janelle traces her cursor over the flow of the moon through Jean's sign. And she shows her how the moon has moved with her over the years. So around probably, I would say, 2016 or so is when things probably got a little bit rocky, especially when it came to marriage. Oh, yeah. So September of 2019, maybe, would have been a time where things might have got a little bit tough. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have the chills. Okay. I do have the chills. (laughs) Just showing you how astrology works, just showing you the timing. So we're seeing this moon hit with Pluto, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. possibly endings, deaths, changes, transformations. Endings. Endings. The scene reminds me of what my friend Pete, the rock star astrologer, told me. This concept of Jyotish Mati. What you're going for in a great reading, like that shared connection between astrologer and the person being read, passing the light of awareness. I'm really sitting here completely overwhelmed, I have to tell you, because... When you, let's say, a specific thing like September, you know, 2019, um, September 25th, 2019, looked me in the face and said, bye-bye, I'm leaving you for another woman. And so that's a a month, that's a time I don't really, no one really knows, like, oh, that happened. But then when you just said, (laughs) I was like, you did not just say that. Yeah, yeah. right. Sometimes it's very literal. Pluto is the planet... uh, (laughs) Pluto's the planet of death and transformation and saying this is the end. I'm watching the two of them and it's clear something has clicked. In just a few minutes, Jean is transformed from this person who was, I guess, willing to give astrology a chance to someone who's sitting on her hands to stop herself from waving them so excitedly. Despite the screen, there is an intensity between them. Every month or date Janelle throws out seems to provoke this avalanche of memories. And each time Jean is about to let out this rush of words, like just let them spill from her mouth, Janelle smiles like a Cheshire cat and she tells her to hold it in just a little more. 
Janelle is confident there's power in astrology. She's felt it for decades now. But in this moment, that power is so clear. It's animating every dopamine receptor in Jean's brain, and she is buzzing, glowing with electricity. I know if I have two and a half years to make use of this energy, I have to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to come back for another, what, 14 years? Right. I don't want to have to waste that time, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I don't. I, I, at 74, you don't want to waste a minute. Chapter 5. A Couch with a View My sister's a psychologist, a PhD, and we have this line we use about Indians. It's okay to be a psychiatrist, but it's not okay to see a psychiatrist. Years ago, when my wife and I were looking into international adoption from India, the forms indicated that if you'd ever seen a psychiatrist, you'd be disqualified from adopting. I'm ashamed to admit that for years, it kept me from seeing a grief counselor. I mean, along with all the other stresses of life, I lost a cousin to a suicide and a best friend to an overdose, and I struggled. I was a shell of myself. The truth is, in those years, I was not a great dad or a great husband, and I could have used the therapy. But I also didn't want to limit our options as potential parents. Anyway, for Indians, including the Indian government, the stigma is real. So things like religion and astrology, they fill the gap. And it makes sense, right? Astrology allows you to put a symbol on something that's hard to name and to reframe your problems from a different lens. It's therapy for people who just don't want to go to therapy. But what happens when those notions are flipped? Like, what if your therapist was secretly powering their sessions using the stars to amplify their understanding of you? Because that's what Ava does. Oh my God, I feel like I'm a little bashful. I'm a licensed therapist. Ava, which is not her real name, is a successful trauma therapist from the Midwest. And she's keenly aware of the baggage that astrology carries. Do I worry if I bring it up, people don't take me seriously? Of course. For younger clients, I think it's kind of almost a way of connecting. But yeah, my clients who are older, it's a little bit more of a finesse. So before she dives in with a new client, she floats a few questions to see just how open she can be with them. It's something that I kind of test the waters to see. Are they into astrology? Is it something they're not that into, right? And if they are, it's wonderful because we can fold that into our understanding. Like, holy shit, like... Saturn and Mars are being transited by Saturn. That, From what you're telling me, that makes a lot of sense. Of course, even when they're not into astrology, Ava still keeps an eye on their chart. I still have their birthdays. I, I can see where their planets are, which isn't to say that that like, changes how I show up to them. My number one job is to be here with the client. Therapy existing in this world of diagnoses and insurance and all these things that are trying to make it be short and get people back to work and make people legible in this really fucked up system, right? So much of that is not helpful in the actual work of therapy. But I think astrology just, it allows me to kind of ground back into the trust of having this big perspective and this small perspective at the same time. There are so many people who see therapy and astrology at odds with one another. 
but Ava? She hopes there's new ways about thinking about both because both have the ability to give you agency. I mean, isn't that what we go to therapy for? Isn't that what we want from astrology? To access perspectives big and small. Because so much of what we're looking for is someone to tell us what really matters, what we can set aside, and to teach us what to spend our precious time on. This idea of human progress is linear just boggles my mind. Like, what the heck? That makes no sense to me. And with astrology, it is not at all, right? Planets are coming into places and then going back. And you're like, this is so frustrating. I'm back to where I was. And then it moves forward again. To Ava, there's something very human about acknowledging that in the fog of healing, things are often more complicated than just trying to move forward. We are trying to understand things that are beyond comprehension in some ways, right? How humbling to know that we don't always have to. I think that astrology and trauma therapy really hold that capacity in a really beautiful way. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 6. Mic Check. Jean and I sat in her apartment after the reading, and we talked for a while. What's spinning in your head? Like, what are you thinking about? First of all, I feel, I don't know if I can, you could, I feel stoned out of my mind. I feel as though I'm on some, like, acid trip or something. Coming into this reading, I thought we'd devote a good bit of conversation to the salaciousness and fun of hiring an escort. But so much of this, to me, felt like Jean just needed to be seen. What she needed from the astrologer and what she actually wanted from the escort was the same thing. She needed someone from the outside world to remind her just how much she mattered. I think what was most empowering about this for me was uh, at 74 you're, and living alone, you often feel very invisible. Mm. You know, you do. And it's like I say to myself, oh my God, I could die right now. No one's even going to know. You know, that kind of feeling. And what she did by saying, hey, wait, you know, this is what's happening. I mean, I could not repeat now to you the moon and the house and the, but there was an overall sense of you are part of the flow of the energy of the earth, my dear, and you are on a ride, you know, and you have been since you were born and you will continue. And, and so by saying you have the power to do that, it was like, I'm not invisible, you know, I'm not. Yeah. And, and I, and that was very, that was very big. I'm envious of Jean because whatever you think of astrology, she got to feel seen. And then she had the luxury of time to process it. To decide for herself what she wanted to take out of it and what she wants the rest of her life to be. It's a gift. On May 7th, 2022, exactly a month after I got a warning about my father's health in the form of a reading, he passed away. I won't tell you the details yet. I'm just not ready. But I will tell you this. That list I made for my dad, we hardly got through it. And all that time I thought I'd been promised, it slipped through my clenched fist. Sitting in Jean's room, listening to this talk of moons and, and whether this is the close of a chapter or just another middle, I am not present. But before I can slip too far away, Mitra adjusts my hand. She moves the mic I'm holding just a hair away from my face. But that touch, it pulls me back into the moment. And then it makes me smile. Because whatever else I've been through, I'm so lucky to be here. To get to work on projects I love, to meet people like Jean, and as much as my days now will be divided between longing for a past that I cannot have and divining what the future can be, I know she's right when she says this. This is the only moment. This is the only moment. And no other moment will be greater or less than. 
It's just, this is the moment. Next week, we tackle an unsolved mystery in the Reagan White House. Mr. President, will you continue to allow astrology to play a part in the makeup of your oh, daily schedule, sir? Oh. Knock it off, Sam. So, did Ronald Reagan use astrology to guide his foreign policy? Also, we get distracted watching Saturday morning cartoons, we dig up some televangelist beef, we learn about Boris Yeltsin's late-night cravings, and we find an incredible gem hiding in an old Johnny Carson clip. It's 80s week here on Skyline Drive, so be sure to tune in. so much for listening. Skyline Drive is a production of Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcast. This show is hosted and written by me, Mangesh Hatikudur, but the show would be a bad idea sitting in a drawer somewhere if it were not for all these incredible people. Mary Phillips Sandy is just the best. She's our supervising producer, and I don't know how she pulled this off with everything else going on. Mitra Bunshahi, senior produced this whole thing and brought the delightful Jean Lebeck into our world. Mark Lotto is such a mensch and story editor who really made this whole story incredible. This episode was also produced and mixed by the wonderful Anna Rubanova. Thank you so much, Anna. With scoring, as always, from Botany, check out his SoundCloud. The insane music in between is courtesy of Azadi Records, Raginder, Himanshu Suri, Monsoon Siren, and also Peter Matthew Bauer. This song playing right now is off his beautiful new album, Flowers. If you want to hear all of this music, we link to a mixtape in the show notes. Oh my gosh, the 50s narration. So funny, right? That was Adam Bozart. Thank you so much, Adam, for doing that Rosenberg section and making me laugh so hard. Also, the astrology descriptions come from astrology.com. Gene's story about falling in love is from The Moth. Go download their wonderful show immediately. Additional production and research support from the wonderful Drew Shivarao, Lizzie Jacobs, who is my wife and my rock, my superstar aunt Somanaka, the womanaka Bakshi, and my cousin Arjun Bakshi, who helped me out of a giant pickle. This show is executive produced from iHeart by my good pals Nikki Etor and Katrina Norvell. Also got to thank my partners from Kaleidoscope, just the best team, Osbolition, Kate Osborne, Costas Linos, and the super dynamic Vahini Shori, who made the crazy sweet collage of my family on Insta. P.S. Vahini, my mom loved it. Special thanks to all the kiddos who bore with us through this production, all my friends at iHeart, Shanta and Sara, my family everywhere, my pal Holly Fry, who read this episode's warning. If you haven't listened to Stuff You Missed in History class, you're missing out, or you can check out her excellent podcast, Criminalia. Go download both immediately. And just one last thank you, as always, to my amma and my dad, Lalita and Omesha Tikadura, who I thank my lucky stars for. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>